we're going to take an exodus from the book of Exodus for at least one week. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18. So if you turn in your Bibles, um, and it should also be on the screen here in just a few moments. Jim Elliott enrolled at Wheaton College in the waning days of the Second World War. He graduated four years later with a Bible degree with the highest honors. Soon after graduating from Wheaton, Elliott began to contemplate becoming a missionary. Around this time, he famously penned in his journal the words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Former missionary to Ecuador told Elliot about an unreached people group there called the Waka Indians. They were a violent and small tribe of jungle people. Some people in Jim's church attempted to dissuade him from going to reach the Waka, arguing it was too risky. However, Elliot believed God was impressing him to reach these people with the gospel. February 1952, Elliot and his friend Pete Fleming arrived in a coastal town in Ecuador, traveled to Quito, and stayed there six months to learn Spanish before heading off into the Ecuadorian jungle. Almost a year later, Elliot proposed to fellow missionary Elizabeth Howard, and the two were married on Jim's 26th birthday in Quito. Two and a half years later, their daughter Valerie was born. In January 1957, Jim Elliott and four missionaries had made some initial contact with the Waka Indians. They encamped near their village in the jungle. January 8, 1957, the Waka Indians attacked Jim Elliott and his four friends, spearing them to death. Though the Americans had firearms, they deliberately chose not to kill their Indian attackers. Instead, they sacrificed their lives for the Waka Indians. They knew where they were going when they died. They also knew where the Iwaka Indians would spend eternity when they died. You might say Jim Elliott was a man for all seasons. And what I mean by that is Elliott was a godly and gifted man. He was a man who stood ready to face whatever circumstances confronted him and consistently respond the right way. We can also say that Elizabeth Elliott was a woman for all seasons. Though she was widowed with a 10-month-old daughter suffering over the loss of her husband, she was determined to continue the mission that she and Jim had begun to reach the Waka Indians with the gospel. We need the kind of faith and resolve Jim and his companions had. And we can have that same faith, steadfast, unyielding joy that he and his wife Elizabeth had, whatever the circumstances. We can be that man or woman for all seasons if we have a joy for all seasons. So this morning we're going to examine another follower of Christ who experienced great hardship and suffering, but who demonstrated a joy for all seasons. Scripture focus this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I'm going to fast forward past the first 11 verses and start with verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am, am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, 
not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I ask these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. What we see in this text is the Apostle Paul demonstrating a steadfast joy in his letter to the Philippians because the gospel was being advanced. You can obtain steadfast joy when you decide your utmost desire is to advance the gospel. Well, in practical terms, how do Christians obtain steadfast joy? Well, the Apostle Paul lays out three ways that believers can obtain a joy for all seasons. Here's the first way. Faithfulness through trials cultivates steadfast joy in us and advances the gospel. Let's look at verses 12 and 13 again. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. So what has happened to Paul as he's writing this letter? Well, he's been imprisoned. Now on the surface, that would seem like a setback, pretty big setback. Paul, he wants to be out there freely sharing the gospel, but he's not. He's under house arrest. So even though Paul desires to be free, share the gospel, he recognizes the hand of God actively working through his trials and situation. Now, Paul could have reacted differently to his circumstances. He could have reacted angrily to God. He could have given up. He could have blamed God for his circumstances. But he does not do that. Instead, he remembers who God is and what he has done. He focuses on the faithfulness of God. I believe Paul takes a stroll down memory lane and he recalls how God began the Philippian church. We see in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 31, how this church was formed. And it begins with God blessing uh, the faithful service of Paul and Silas during their visit to Philippi. First, Paul shares the gospel. He shares the gospel with Lydia, a successful businesswoman, Asian businesswoman, who is a God-fearer. And she receives the gospel and becomes the charter member of the Philippian church. She demonstrates hospitality and gives Paul and Silas a place to stay in a base camp to advance the gospel, Philippi. God blesses her ministry. Next, in Acts 16, Paul heals a demon-possessed Greek girl, slave girl, who was in the fortune-telling business. And this winds up getting her owners very angry because they realize once she has been healed that their revenue stream is going to take a significant hit. The bottom line is they create a ruckus and they get Paul and Silas unfairly beaten and imprisoned in a Philippian jail. The Philippian jailer, who's probably a retired Roman soldier, tortures Paul and Silas. If you go back and you look, at this uh, chapter in Acts 16, he is charged with basically just ensuring their safety, but he takes it a step further and he puts them in the middle of the prison and puts them in stocks. 
And when we think of stocks, I think we have this, you know, this New England uh, style of stocks in our minds, you know, where your head and your hands are, are in the stocks. But these aren't the New England pilgrim style stocks that, that we should think of when we think of uh, how Paul and Silas were, were in these stocks. You got to remember that the Romans are sadists. They want to inflict maximum pain on their enemies. And that's what they do on their political prisoners as well. When Paul and Silas are in these stocks, their bodies are twisted and they are in excruciating pain. So how do Paul and Silas respond? Well, they realize, Shakespeare once said, all the world's a stage. And they're in the center of the prison. So instead of moaning or being angry with God, they hold an impromptu worship service and begin to praise God and trust in His faithfulness. And so God works through their joy and their desire to proclaim Christ, to prevail over the evil acts that have been done to them. God sends an earthquake. He loosens their chains. But Paul and Silas don't run out of that prison toward freedom. They already have it. And they extend grace to the Philippian jailer, and he asks them how he can receive the spiritual freedom that they already have. So why do I recap Acts chapter 16 for you? Because we're in Philippians, right? Well, Paul wants the Philippians, and by extension those of us that are here today and around the world, he wants you to know how God has used his circumstances to advance the gospel. And he's doing it again. The imperial guard that Paul references here, these are the elite Roman soldiers. You want to think about it, these would be like the special forces of the Roman military, and they would be charged with protecting Caesar. So God has helped Paul and Silas launch the Philippian church directly as a result of their faithfulness and trials. And I think this is what Paul is, is recalling as he's writing this letter under the influence of the Holy Spirit to the Philippian church. Philippian jailer wanted to torture Paul and Silas, but God worked through their joy and desire to proclaim Christ to prevail over his evil intentions. And God used Paul's letter written from jail to encourage and strengthen the Philippian church and the modern church. So our faithfulness to God in difficult circumstances, they matter. God arranges things in our lives for a reason. Now let's look back to Elizabeth Elliot. After her husband was murdered, she could have packed it in with her 10-month-old daughter and headed back to the safety and security of the United States. She could have blamed God for the pain and suffering in her life. She didn't do that. Instead, she went to the Waka Indians herself, armed with the gospel. God opened their ears and hearts, and they listened to her. They experienced firsthand the grace of God through her faithfulness and forgiveness. And the Waka Indians responded. Several surrendered their lives to Christ and became followers of Jesus. God works through our pain and suffering and weakness to advance the gospel. Paul explained this truth in the, of the gospel when he wrote to the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians, he said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected 
in weakness. God works through our weakness to reveal His power. And we see examples of this in the Old Testament. Psalm 119, we've been studying in our home discipleship group on Wednesday nights. David is facing trials and persecution. But in spite of his suffering, he recognizes that he has something his enemies who are pursuing him do not. Psalm 119.57, he boldly proclaims, The Lord is my portion. So, In other words, what David is saying is, I have the presence of God. And that's all that we really need. Though Paul is writing from dire circumstances, he understands God is at work. Further, he's able to rejoice and maintain steadfast joy, joy for all seasons, because he has experienced the presence of God through his trials, and he has seen God at work in others. So faithfulness through trials cultivates steadfast joy in us and advances the gospel. Notice what Elizabeth Elliot said about faithfulness. She said, This job has been given to me to do. Therefore, it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I may make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it is to be done for Him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. So, this is the choice Elizabeth Elliot made. She didn't run from what God had led them to do. She embraced it as the job that God had put before her. She chose to be faithful. and God gave her joy and used her to advance the gospel. So We can choose to remember that when we suffer, when we face trials, God is still sovereign. He is at work. We can realize that he wounds us the way a doctor does to cut things out of our life that can hurt us. He does spiritual surgery on us. He brings trials to our lives to advance his work in us and in others. He rewards our faithfulness so that others can see the hope and joy within us and realize their need for God. We can choose to desire Christ and Christ proclaim above all else. And when we do that, God will provide an eternal perspective that will help you see what Paul saw, God at work. So We can choose to trust God and receive a joy for all seasons. We also, when we do this, we begin to see God at work, not only in us, but at work in others. So the second point is God illuminates his good works in others to grow steadfast joy in us. We see this in verse 14. Look with me back at verse 14. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare more to speak the word fearlessly. See, Paul sees God working not only in the lives of the Roman imperial guards, but also in his fellow gospel witnesses. And this reminds me of a situation uh, that I witnessed uh, several weeks ago in the college football national championship game. Like, well, where's he going with this? We'll just hang in there with me for a second. Every day on the practice field, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, help me out, brother. Did I say that right, (laughs) Brother Mike? (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. They battle to win the role of the Alabama starting quarterback, both competing to lead their team. Jalen Hurts won the starting job and led the Crimson Tide to the national championship title game. However, in the national championship title game, Hurts did not play that well. He, got, he gets replaced at halftime uh, due to uh, subpar performance. Now, Jalen could have reacted to his being sidelined by protesting, pouting, storming to the bench. But he didn't do that. Instead, he responded graciously, chose to focus on the bigger picture, keep his focus on the team. He helped his teammate Tua and encouraged him. Despite his personal misfortune of being benched, Jalen Hurts' overwhelming desire was for his team to win the championship. He was undoubtedly disappointed he'd been replaced, but he remained joyful and hopeful his team would win out in the end. So fast forward to overtime. Tua throws the game-winning touchdown. And the first person that sprints off the sideline to his fellow teammate to congratulate him is Jalen Hurts. Celebrates with his teammate. Now, much like Jalen Hurts, I think Paul feels somewhat sidelined being in prison. However, he chooses to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. He desires above all else to see his team advance down the field to conquer spiritual darkness. He sees Christ being proclaimed. He cultivated unyielding joy instead of resentment or bitterness. He recognized God is still at work through his fellow kingdom ambassadors. And he held fast to his desire to see the gospel proclaimed. Seeing God actively working in others cultivates the joy that Paul has. Despite his chains, he cannot help but rejoice in seeing God at work. We can choose to rejoice when we see how God is working through others to make them more like Christ and to advance his kingdom. God illuminates his good works in others to grow joy in us. Not only can we have a steadfast joy that grows by seeing God's work in others, we can rejoice because we know, in the end, God is going to prevail over wrong motives. God prevails over sinful motives, provides eternal perspective, and perfects steadfast joy in us when we desire, above all else, that Christ be proclaimed. Look with me again at verses 15 through 18. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Though some people do things with evil intentions, God ultimately uses it for His good. His plan is never defeated. He wins. When our foremost desire is to serve God and advance His kingdom, He gives us an eternal perspective on things. He brings His sovereignty, His plan, into better focus for us. God used the faithfulness of Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint, Rachel who uh, was older sister of Nate Saint, who was martyred along with Jim Elliot, 
to advance the gospel to an unreached people group, the Waka Indians. God prevailed over the evil the Indians had done to their to the missionaries and ultimately redeemed many of them. Kimo, who was the pastor, he became the pastor of the Waka Indians. He was one of the men who had speared the missionaries to death. Later baptized Steve and Kathy Saint, Nate Saint's children. God used the faithfulness of Elizabeth and Rachel to reconcile with the Waka tribe and bring them to the ultimate reconciliation with God. Here's the reality, and I want you to hear this. God always prevails over evil. Jesus prevailed over Satan in the wilderness. Though Jesus took our sin upon his shoulders at the cross, he defeated death through his resurrection. He never loses. That's why Paul says confidently, and he says this just a few verses earlier in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, when God begins something, he finishes it. God doesn't give up on us. We are part of his master plan, and he will see his plan through. Brother Doug read earlier from Psalm chapter 30. He read that weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Because in the end, God wins. So we can choose to trust that God has a master plan, and we can choose to move forward in faith. When we do, God helps our faith dissolve into sight to see how He is at work. Well, I must close. Before I do that, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment, and I want you to imagine Paul writing this letter. Paul sees the tough, hardened faces of Roman soldiers who have heard the gospel, received it, and surrendered their lives to Christ. He is picturing fellow brothers and sisters in Christ growing in boldness and sharing the gospel despite the risk of persecution, imprisonment, or death. As he reflects on God's workmanship, he would have to stir his heart and bring a smile to his face. He looks outside the window of his prison Though he is in chains under house arrest, he knows the gospel is advancing. Those who have been enslaved by sin are seeing their chains loosened. They are being set free. You can open your eyes now. So what does God want us to take away from this passage of Scripture? How do we obtain the steadfast joy that Paul demonstrated? I believe there are a few actions that we can take that will help us achieve this joy for all seasons. First, we must look beyond our circumstances and trust God is at work through them. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Simply put, you choose and you can choose to believe that God's Word is true. Like we just stated, few moments earlier when Pastor Steve led us through our statement of faith, we choose to believe that God's Word is true. Second, you choose to see how God is at work in others. And this is what Paul chose to do when he wrote in verse 14, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the Word fearlessly. 
Now, I want you to hear this. Notice that Paul doesn't say all the brothers have gained confidence. Because Christians, you always have a choice in how you are going to respond to adversity. Some step forward in faith. Others shrink back. You can choose to be like the Christians who, though they saw Paul in chains, also saw the gospel advancing through the imperial guard. And they chose to focus not on Paul's bondage, but on those being freed by the gospel, those who were in bondage who are being freed. And this helped them move forward with in faith and with confidence and fearlessness. Third, you choose to believe God is prevailing over sin, providing perspective, eternal perspective, and perfecting joy in you as Christ is proclaimed. When you believe God will prevail, you are choosing to live by faith. And I promise you, the longer that you live and walk by faith, God is going to help your faith dissolve into sight. See how He is at work. So I want to invite you today to take a step of faith today. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe you've been trusting in your own strength. and You recognize you need to trust in the One who made you, who loved you, died and gave Himself for you. Some of you maybe are realizing you can follow in faith to become a member of the life and ministry of this church at Haven Baptist Church. Perhaps you need to come forward and pray and ask God to deliver you from fear that has enslaved you and is keeping you from walking in the freedom of knowing and trusting in the power of Christ. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come forward this morning so that we can pray with you and encourage you. So please come as Brother Paul leads us in closing.